0: Good morning. Let's see where are we in the world today? It is um, December the fifth. And this is i'm I'm in Las Vegas, but I spent most of my life in uh, California and and but I was outside of California also. I've lived in Italy. I've lived in Japan lived in Texas, in the States, lived in so many other states in America growing up. And the real reality of empowering yourself as a parent, because this is my parent empowerment hour, I was trying to figure out what could I do to empower people so they understand that the responsibility for upward movement is on them. And quite frankly, people don't understand when they have children how they become indebted to the system how the system virtually just takes over your life and when children have transition issues in public school well that's where the be- that's where the beginning of the problems start a lot of people there are many many people who understand education and who had a great family and had great support and are included in America and by included and by inclusion, I mean they are able to participate in the champagne life, meaning that they have the skills and ability to navigate America. But most people don't. Most people don't have basic level skills. You would ask, how does that happen? It happens simply because your lack of understanding of America and the lack of the trials and tribulations that black people have been through in America. I find it odd that even at 62, I'm unable to influence or engage with local people who make decisions that are affecting people greatly. Here in Las Vegas, they have a program called The Harbor. Now, people have tried to tell me how great that program is, but it's a precursor to Juvenile. Juvenile Hall, juvenile facilities. But the real deal is that the trouble doesn't start there. The trouble starts the way that Clark County has established their public school system. Here in Clark County, they have all the same resources as most other schools and communities have. The issue here is that if you don't start early enough and you're not prepared to engage in the process, will they start positioning you so that you will never have the ability to participate. It's confusing as to how public education and public services are entwined here because the school system or the school district doesn't have a really good relationship with the Department of Health and Human Services or the Welfare Department. And I just find that equally more outrageous simply because they deal with truancy issues and behavioral issues and then they have Nevada partners as their people who are providing mental health support but they're all separate nobody really has a great working relationship meaning that Nevada partners does don't work in the schools and the social workers from the welfare office don't work in the schools. And the public meetings that these people should have to talk about the coordination of services, well, you can't find those. Yet and still, when you do find information, it's definitely at the legislative level because they are aware of programs and services and how to coordinate those. And they try to write the instructions for the local school district, but it's left to their own interpretation of the law. It's some serious misdeeds here when they can cordially talk about the underfunding of certain schools with higher poverty. It's criminal when I see that they have given the authority to the principal to determine the support needed at the local school site when they are a local control agency basically. I mean you know California implemented the local what the LCAP The local control plan, but that meant that they had to let the local people involved. Here, I can't find out where the engagement is really happening because everybody's kind of hush hush. There are so many people; you can just—they have a list of people in their 2024 plan who are getting paid out of Title One dollars. They don't have a list of the support programs that are working well. I mean, you know, don't you can't convince me that there is relative support for all children because access is denied. And it's a violation of due process rights for children to be documented and continually documented without any offer of transition to the task that is expected. So, I mean, you know, special education is just great. I've never, you know, I understand America more because of special ed. As I had, when I was a child, you know, I had talked with a lisp and then I had speech therapy and my dad was in the Air Force. And then after they gave me the speech therapy, they came and did an evaluation assessment. And then they decided that perhaps I was more intelligent and could be in a higher placement. So they, uh, they moved me up. And so when I moved to California, I was in the same grade as my sister, eighth grade. And I said, oh, no. I did not want to be in her class. Her and I, the conversation is too competitive. So I elected to stay back a year and be with my regular class where I could observe what was going on. And believe me, moving to California from Texas, and Texas was an eye-opener too because when we left the military base in Japan and moved to Texas, well, of course, the teacher could say, huh. I don't know why you're raising your hand. I have no intention on calling you, little black child. I mean, that's kind of like how it was. We got all Fs, a report card with all Fs at an all-white school. But before we went to the all-white school, we went to an all-black school. and the black school, we got all As. And I'm just trying to tell you something. Education has to do with the people who are implementing the services, not with the people who are receiving the services, as the people who are receiving the services still have a right to learn. But when you're not teaching and you're documenting and the curriculum that you're using is not monitored or measured or effective, you have no data, what are you doing? That's what people need to figure out, what's happening around them. Public education should be to train young scholars so that they are effective and they have, uh, you know, that they have sustainable lives, that they can feed their children once after 12 years of public education. But here, I really can't tell you what public education here does because they have so many young white people working in the goodwill and they're not working in the goodwill because You know, it's luxurious employment. No, they're working because they're below grade level and they they're lacking skills. And obviously, a first job gives you an opportunity to learn. Okay, so a first job gives you an opportunity to learn. But, you know, if you want to empower yourself as an individual and you want to empower yourself as a parent, you must read. There are all kinds of wonderful resources out there at the Department of Education That would be the ed.gov, the U.S. Department of Education. But there are many resources in your local states, and every state has a Department of Education. And I'll tell you why, because the federal government gives money to states based on the census, and people don't understand the process. But based on the number of people that are in your state, We count them all. So we're encouraging everyone to count their people and be engaged in the process, you know. And I mean by engaged, it's a part of the democracy that all people work together and advocate for resources for their people. But when your people never show up because for whatever reason they felt that they were, you know, that the stigmatism of slavery still exists. And it might. But guess what? I don't care. I'm an American citizen born in Columbus, Mississippi. And quite frankly, or Jackson, wherever, in the Mississippi area. But the reality is, is that I've had the ability to just go back to school with my children, my three sons. My oldest son was gifted in gay. And, you know, every time he would take the state assessments, his test scores would be off the chart. Yet and still, you know, the struggle in public school was that he was barely making it. And I wondered how come he could test so high and score so low. And I was participating, I was following, and but I wasn't doing as much as I winded up doing with my youngest child, because they said he was severely mentally retarded in communication handicapped and would not benefit from public education. And I said, oh, really? Because I knew my child was bright. Every time I told him to do something, he would do it so he could understand, but he couldn't talk. And as he couldn't talk, you know, those issues come from probably where I was working. I was working at Los Rios in the mail room where all of the um, where they had all the chemicals that were, you know, we put, we put ourselves in so many risky behaviors or be situations because people don't necessarily do what they need to do to protect humans and so irregardless the, the chemicals were coming back from the mail in the mail room and circulating five years of working at Los Rios, I was sick as a dog and they actually uh, let me go under a workers' comp issue, and um, they didn't give me Social Security. Why would they give me Social Security? I was—I mean, I mean, my retirement. I had vested, but I couldn't get my retirement. And basically, he tried to just terminate me because they said if I couldn't cut the keys, and I was working in the mailroom as a clerk three—I mean, as a you know, support staff, administrative clerk three—I could not continue in my job. The fight was just unbearable and, you know, it was probably time because I could see that my children needed me more. My middle child, I should talk about, because he had an auditory processing disorder and I didn't even know what that meant, but it meant, and it still means that multiple conversations are difficult to navigate, but there are tools and resources within the public school system that allow you to benefit. And I'll just say that. Because all of the public education system is to educate. Has you just not thought about it? I mean, or is it always we're caught up in the chaos and process when we can't measure the benefit of public education for our children? But just know this, you are totally in control as a parent, but you must start in the beginning. Early access means early head start, perhaps. Uh, child care programs that teach children how to socialize as socialization is one of the major you know issues that children don't get along cannot socialize the socialization comes into play because in America we need to understand that we need to socialize because we have so many people from all over the world and they live in the USA and the world is just an amazing place I will tell you but as individuals and as individual citizens, the responsibility for self-empowerment comes from the access to knowledge. They always say reading is fundamental. Understand the fundamentalness of reading and accessing resources to ensure that you have the ability to exist in the USA oh we live in a we're living in the most spectacular time in the history of the world and I say that because from my kitchen table I can reach out and talk and share information as to how I was successful raising my three sons because each one was totally different my youngest of course they said was severely mental and communication handicapped my middle child had a he had a processing disorder, which meant that he would only hear one out of every ten words. And the difficultness in that in the classroom would be whenever the teacher would turn his black back and be writing on the board, my son and people would be talking. He'd be getting all these conversations and hearing them all together, which was very, very confusing and less empowering. So, you know, the the I went to a What is it? What kind of psychologist? It was, um, I went to a psychologist. His name was Dr. Luigi Pichuco, and he was just wonderful. He did some assessments on my son, which enabled my son to have specific supports in the classroom. And he even came to the first IEP because they wanted me to put my son on, you know, those pills you know, that help you calm down. Hmm. And actually, you know, I tried it, but it didn't work. I tried it and I didn't tell them. And and for two weeks, I would come to the school to figure out if things were improving with my child. And all they could say is, oh no, he's getting worse. I just collected that data for two weeks. And then when we came back to our meeting and I had Michael Rosenberg and Dr. Luigi Pachucco and we were all talking, and they talked about the process of learning and what types of supports my son would need. And then I let them know he had already been on the medication, but they said it didn't work. So we weren't going to go down that road. You have to empower yourself. You have to know that you have to be a willing participant, willing participant in the education of your children. And that means that just like a job, you have to participate in the, the educational activities to ensure that the children are making progress. Early Head Start and Head Start, I was a Head Start parent and I participate in the Head Start pack. And actually as a VISTA, that's a volunteer in service for America because I was, had to do that because I needed the additional money to support my family. But you can join the Corporation of National and Community Service and the federal government will train you as to how public services operate within a state, within a city, within a county. And just who you should talk to to ensure that services are happening or how to make a program work. I mean, the Corporation of National and Community Service is just an awesome program. That's the AmeriCorps program. Because they have the senior courts, and they have um, you know just opportunities to become a federal volunteer. And as a federal volunteer, you can make a world of difference. I did. The program that I worked with was for rural California housing, and then it went to Mercy Housing. They merged with Sisters of Mercy, and they provided home they provided uh, housing for low income people. But they also provided opportunities for low-income people. And as a, you know, I, first I worked as a resident services coordinator, which was, and then I was the youth services coordinator. But under the resident services coordinator, I was just helped to coordinate activities and help the residents work together and live in functional community. I mean, it was just awesome to understand that I was getting paid. It wasn't a whole lot of money, but it was a stipend. And the stipend was $800 a month, which did not affect my food stamps or my little cash aid check. Whatever I was getting at the time had no effect. But after you do your one year, you actually earn $5,700 to go towards uh, an educational program or additional training for yourself. And it just goes directly to the school. There are so many things that people just really, really, really don't understand that's happening continually every day around them but in the public school system and to be a parent you must understand that learning is a lifetime and you should take advantage of every opportunity you can to ensure that you are providing access for your children because that's not something that just happens automatically no it's just not in my years of re-educating myself. I can tell you how many times I would go and see particular children sitting outside the classroom. And this was just an everyday occurrence. But I swore to myself, my children would never sit out of the classroom door. And whenever there was an issue, I could be Johnny there, right there on the spot. I've had so many... IEP meetings and student study team meetings. And believe me, they do study how your children learn. It is an obligation. But, you know, here in Clark County, I really don't see any. I see a lack of activities that happen around the failure of children. And the activities that I see around failures of children are in programs like the SOS program, which was run by Tyrone Thompson, who was a, a, a legislative person in Clark County, and he had a program, and I'm, that program is, I'm, I'm positive, is still in force because they have the Harbor program here, and the Harbor is something I touched on in the beginning of the conversation, but it's unbelievable because it's a precursor, you know, it's a Stop a pit stop, your last chance before you actually go to juvenile hall. But they have an eighty percent, you know, incarceration rate for blacks. Black children are eighty percent of the juvenile facilities here. But then they have alternative programs, and I'm trying to understand how those little alternative programs like Harbor work because, you know, the your education doesn't stop because you you've gotten into some trouble. Is not something that just stops, you know? Education is something that's continual. And as I I started to talk about how we become lifetime learners so that we can engage and support in the community and that we can ensure access happens for our children. But for my people, Black people, who put a lot of faith and trust in the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment. None of those amendments have any monitoring for the implementation of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And access is truly just access. But if you're not benefiting, and the majority of your people are not benefiting, I'm just so confused. I have to empower people because when I moved to Clark County and I start understanding what's going on in the educational system, I just don't understand how African-American children can have a 259% higher rate of dysfunctional behaviors than any other ethnic group. But I'm not saying that the Hispanics and the Native Americans here don't have the same issues. I mean, people of color here have issues because everybody who's working here under the capacity of a federal dollar you know, under Title One, they have so many people who are working under the federal coffers and they have such a low maintenance of the outcomes. Well yeah, they have um GT programs and they kept on you know, when the parents referred to it as GT, it was like it was a gift. I needed to understand what they were talking about. Then I just gate. Gate. I mean, gifted and talented G- courses, I mean, higher thinking level support and people kind of like, you know, they, advocate, I mean, they try to get into the programs, the magnet programs, because it's an opportunity and they know that where the magnet schools are. Success is because there's a lot of monitoring going there. Because you have to have to have a magnet program. I mean, you're offering something different, but all the schools should be competitively equal, and they make sure that they're equal here, honey. Yes, they do, because every school gets the same number of people and support staff, in regardless of how long they've been in, they've worked. They just divvy them up equally. No matter what the skills and education, but I mean, I'm just trying to understand. They claim to have SOT teams. These are teams like would participate. I mean, participate in the education in California. We had um, school site councils. That's what they called them. But we would meet, and they would meet and they have, they have to meet under open meetings law and they have to, you know, they have to follow all the same rules that the local board has to follow and publish what they're doing. But here, they don't follow, I mean, I don't know what they're doing here. This is the Wild Wild West because it's just wild that they don't follow the rules of the federal government. And then when you go to look at the, let's see, They have, everybody has to report to the federal government what you're doing with the money. So when they go to report what they're doing, they're told that, hey, you ain't doing it right. And you need to change this, that, and the other. And guess what? Hmm. There's always just a little slap on the hand. And I'll tell you why that happens. It happens because the lack of coordination and organizing for advocacy on the ground is broken. I did attempt to join the local NAACP here. It was worse than the one in California. And I also attempted to join the, like, caucus. And the only thing, I never even got a, I got a welcome email. And then every now and then I would get a, a you know, an offer to come to show up to support their efforts and their advocacy. I mean, that was the extent of it. It's pretty sad. And as far as the local NAACP, well, I did try to go to their education committee meetings, and I did, I was attending their meetings, but I don't need them. I don't need to go to um, a place where someone could give me a presentation because that's not the NAACP, really it's not. It's supposed to be empowering locally, community people to support sustainable options for the community of color or people who look like them. I don't know what they're doing, but guess what? They're stuck because they keep on electing the same people expecting change and change just doesn't happen. They're not empowering individuals there. They're just showing up for the photo op and a lot of people like to take pictures. Here, I noticed that. They take pictures with influential people, powerful people, and they feel that that is somehow supporting advocacy. No, there must be a lane created of advocacy that talks about the lack of maintenance and the lack of outcomes for communities of color. I mean, for communities of color. But parents, in an understanding where we are under this COVID 2020. I would say the most important thing for a person to understand how to empower themselves in the educational uh, support for their children is to first find out what grade level your child is at. And you have a right to know that. It's not about what grade they're in. It's not about age appropriate placement is about an assessment that would demonstrate that the public services that are being provided to your child are affecting your child. And that's just real. I'm almost at my 30 minute limit. So I'm getting ready to sign off. But I'm so happy that um, Anchor has accepted my parent and empowerment hour, and I'm going to try to come at least one hour a day so that I can talk about just what's going on, the importance of paying attention to what's happening for all people. But everybody has a responsibility to engage in the maintenance of effort as we all pay some kind of taxes. And if we're not paying taxes, guess what? We are part of the system where someone's providing public services for you and you are part of that job. America is America. America takes care of America. But America has to learn that it has to accept everyone in the maintenance of effort and monitoring and oversight for public services as we all are benefiting. So until I come back tomorrow or later on today, I'm so excited because I have so much in my head. I'll just say, stay tuned for more exciting information.